All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you, as always, by the 2023 Toyota BZ4X. The BZ4X is Toyota's brand new all-electric SUV that is designed to go the distance for you and your family. The BZ4X is packed with Toyota's coolest tech, but it still has that trusty SUV feel you know and love. And even though it's electric, it's capable of effortlessly conquering any terrain, whether it's rain, snow, mud, or your friend's questionable post-game recaps or post-game Super Bowl takes, the BZ4X will get you through this is Canucks Conversation. We are coming to you from the iconic Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. Looking for your next meeting space? Contact the Wall Center for all your event needs at sales at wallcenter.com. My name is Dave Jelly. That is Harmon Dial. Our technical producer is Grady Sass. It was a busy, busy weekend. The Canucks played. I turned 24 years old, and the Chiefs won another Super Bowl. We're going to get some Super Bowl conversation because I think everybody uh, has some Super Bowl takes after that one. But, uh, I, yeah, we'll get to it in anyone else. I wanted to get to it off the top. We'll get to it in anyone else. How was your weekend? It was awesome. By the way, I got to say, you're absolutely buzzing. So sharp, so on point. That might be one of the best intros you've had in awesome. terms of energy, how sharp you were with the ad reads in a long, long while. What What did you do over the weekend? What do you mean long, long while? You're, you're, you suck at ad reads. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Guy does DoorDash ad reads for a week, and now he's throwing I'm stones. I'm kidding. Now he's throwing stuff. No, honestly, I don't know. You know, people were asking me if I felt wiser after turning 24, and it's true. So I can't wait for you to get there. Grady, when yeah. do you turn 24? Almost 10 years 
<laughs> All right, we got a lot of people in the YouTube live chat here. Uh, good stuff, folks. Good stuff. Uh, Jet Wu called up. We've got a lot to get to. Let's recap those weekend games. We'll start in Detroit, where the Vancouver Canucks fell 4-3 in overtime to the Detroit Red Wings. I'll let you get to the game. I just want to say it was funny as hell. That Debrinket versus Ian Cole fight, what the hell was Alex Debrinket thinking? And man, twice in the past week, in seven seven days, this is the second time I can use me going up against Chris Faber as a analogy for something. There was a, when we had our Patreon, people people didn't ask. Chris wanted to do this and I, I refused to agree. Chris wanted to, and maybe it'd be different now, maybe, maybe, but Chris wanted to do a thing where he would be blindfolded and he would have his right arm tied behind his back and he would have a boxing glove on his left hand and I would have boxing gloves on both my hands and no blindfold and we would fight each other but he could only use his left hand keep in mind he's powerful like his left hand is his dominant hand so if he caught me once I was done was basically the rules of the fight and you know I'm I've never boxed before so I don't know how good my head movement and all that is but I refuse to do that Alex Brinkett thought differently he decided to go up against Ian Cole which I think is equally as stupid as the scenario that I just outlined drops the gloves with Ian Cole and it goes about as well as you thought it would have Uh, our friends at hockey fights over there. You go to hockeyfights.com, You can vote on all the fights. Ian Cole winning that one pretty handily um, as you would expect. It was so hilarious. It gave the vibes of like a little kid angry, trying to fight his dad or the little brother (laughs) who's like five years, five years younger than his older brother, just having enough and, trying to go at him and the, and the older brother's just toying with him and you and you knew first of all it's so funny that cole you could tell he did not want to fight to break it yes he it, i don't know if you've noticed but even in scrums for instance he's not super physical i think ian cole is just at the point where he's like i'm too old for this crap yeah like i'm just here to play hockey i'm gonna play hard between the whistles but I don't really care for this extracurricular stuff. I think what really made it feel like the scenario you just outlined with a dad having to fight, play fight with his kids or whatever, and the toddler being angry was when Debrinket was doing the little rabbit punches, Cole was way too calm. I think Wyatt tweeted that out too. Like Cole just was eating them and he was like, all right, I'm going to wait for him to tire himself out and then I'll just lay the hammer down. And that's exactly what happened. And that, that was my main thing from the Detroit game. But also in the chat here, Karan said to bring it lost the fight, but helped his team gain momentum to come back and win it. Now uh, we know Karan is Alex to burner account. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking what a great trade-off for the Canucks to break it for Cole five mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, unfortunate that they blew that three, one lead in the third period. I thought outside of that though, I mean, I think with the weekend in general and outside of the Carolina game, it probably wasn't the Canucks best hockey and yet you walk away from this post all-star break two one and one going up against two of the best teams in the eastern conference in carolina and boston plus a back-to-back with weird start times in the afternoon like you take that all day Uh, with the detroit game in particular i mean a couple standout performances Elias petterson responding with three five and five points he was excellent philip pronick as well Uh, Three points in his return to Detroit. And it's not just the Detroit game. I think since the All-Star break in general, he's looked even more dynamic offensively. I mean, look at the sweet breakaway move he had, looking like a top six forward. Um, Loading up for the Clapper, Ridley Gregg style on uh, the goal that uh, Hoaglander tipped. Uh, 
which again, another example of Canucks defensemen, particularly Hughes and Hronick doing a great shot, great job of shooting for tips and deflections. And then he had a nice pass in the high slot that eventually led to Pedersen's goal off uh, the end boards. If it isn't without, if it isn't for Pedersen and Hironik's offensive impact, there's no chance the Canucks even get a point in that Detroit game. I also thought the Miller line was really quiet. And, and that was a little disappointing for me because you have Pedersen, Suter, and Hoaglander, and you're thinking, okay, these are two less established wingers. And of course, Hoaglander scores. Uh, Pedersen has the big night. That was a line out of the top six that you probably had less confidence in. It was more of an unknown in terms of, we don't really know if this is gonna, yep. going to click or not. As opposed to, I think, when you have Miller, Besser, and, and Lindholm. Three that, established players. That's your top line yeah. on paper. Yeah, And they were really quiet. That was, I think, a little bit disappointing to see. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to more from that game, and we'll get to more from the weekend split, but we're not going to make him wait any longer because he's waiting in the wings. He's ready to get in here. Uh, Jay Rosehill, our pal, is brought to you today by our friends at Four Winds Brewing. Family-owned and operated in Delta, home to the Four Winds Light Light Lager, a crisp, clean, and easy-drinking beer, a beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after, or during the game. Ask for Four Winds Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your front door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Okay, we've got Jay. Uh, Jay is the host of Leafs Morning Take. He's also the host of Department of Discipline, two shows within our network. Um, and this is Jay, I think this is the first time we've ever met, but I really wanted to get his opinion, much like we had John Scott on the show like a few weeks ago. I wanted to get Jay on the show to talk about a few things because, Jay, I'm not sure if you've heard, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are in the headlines right now. <laughs> I noticed there's, there's things going on lately. It's kind of a spicy Monday morning, isn't it? Oh my goodness. Yes, it is. And thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And we'll start right there. Obviously, uh, it was the cross-check heard around the hockey world that came at the end of that game between the Ottawa Senators and Toronto Maple Leafs. I think we're going to have a few questions on the on the whole ordeal, but what's your initial take on what went down there? Yeah, well, I was watching it live and I mean, I watched him wind up and take that clapper that was honestly with more effort than anyone did in the hardest shot competition in the all-star game it was it was a clear big f you to the maple leafs and you know i saw morgan riley go right after him and i absolutely loved it but what i what i wasn't a fan of is you know the fact that he cross-checked him right ahead i mean there's there's a lot of wiggle room in between doing nothing and cross-checking him in the head and it's it's my honest opinion that it wasn't in his intent to go and give him that shot right to the head kind of kind of crawled up on him, which can happen when you cross check. But at the end of the day, it's uh, you got to be in control of your own stick and he's going to, uh, he's going to pay the piper here about it. But as far as the actual response itself to, to what he did, I, I was all for it. You're obviously a former player. You've been in NHL locker rooms. You've played in intense, passionate games that of course, anytime you have the battle of Ontario, it's going to be such an emotional, intense type of atmosphere if you were an Ottawa Senator and you're in that locker room, what would your thought on Greg loading up for that slap show would be? Because some people are thinking it's such a heat of the moment thing. And Greg's a player that plays with a chip on his shoulder. And look, it if it happens, it happens. Um, not that, of course, you want it happening regularly, but some people don't have a problem with it. Others say you don't want to cross the line and, and give, your, give the opponents uh, a reason to go after you. Yeah, I mean he's he's fully 
able to make that call and do that. I got no problem with you can do whatever you want. You can act like Brad Marchand out there. You can act like Mario Lemieux. You can, you can do whatever you want. It's your career and, and you have the ability to act how you want. But if you're going to do things like that, expect a response back. I mean, the, this game's good. The guys have a lot of pride and honor and integrity within the game and how they feel towards their teammates and, and the, the organization that they play for. And if you're going to throw, you know, a big, two fingers in the air right at right at the team that you're playing after uh, an empty netter, right? That's what that is. It's going to elicit a response. It would elicit a response in a beer league hockey game. You go and wind up a huge clapper to, to finish the game and put the nail in the coffin in that fashion. It's going to piss some people off, especially when you have these high-end athletes that are just, you know, full of, of passion, intensity, and competitiveness. It's going to piss people off. So, He's free to go and do that, but don't be surprised when a guy comes at you and doesn't like it. That's what I'm saying. And if he didn't realize it was going to elicit a response, then well, obviously he does now, but also, you know, he was a little bit naive being a young guy in the league thinking that that's just going to go off without a hitch. Two questions. How many games do you think Riley will get suspended? How many games do you think he should get suspended? I think he's going to get five or six. I can't decide if they're going to go over the five. I think it's going to be five being as it's an in-person. Um, I think he should get, uh, it's, I think he should get two for it. I think it sends the message. I don't think he's a guy that's, that's out there that does that all the time that tries to do it. I think if you look at it from the one angle, he clearly goes right at his shoulder, bounces right off his shoulder and slides up into his, into his head. Once he realizes he's up in that danger zone, he completely lets go of his stick um, that doesn't mean he's not responsible for it. You're responsible for what happens with your stick, whether you, that was your intention or not. And you go and give a guy a cross check higher on the shoulder, you know, there's a chance it's, you know, it's going to come up and be around the guy's head. So he should pay the piper to a degree, but I mean, a six, five, six game suspension for that. When I just don't see the consistency in, in the suspensions where you see other guys doing, you know, more vicious things that, I mean, Leafland obviously right now, Leafs nation is, pulling up all kinds of incidents against the Leafs that got zero games that were much more vicious. So the consistency is never there. And it's always a coin flip on, you know, who's going to be right with the suspensions. But I, I have a feeling he's going to get five or six. And I, I just think that's too much. You mentioned uh, inconsistency from the league. How hard is it? You and Ryan Pinder every Thursday do an episode called Department of Discipline. Uh, that show, you and Pinder. How hard is it to do a show about suspensions when you really have no idea what the NHL is going to do on any given day? Because we just saw Zadorov, and we'll ask you about that, but Zadorov gets two games as well. How's that show been so far, though? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, that show touches on everything. Obviously, under the Hockey Fights label, they've got the fighting side of things uh, that we touch on, but it's really anything cultural, anything that's going on in, in the game. You know, we've touched on the, the 2018 World Junior Saga, um, the Milan Lucic stuff, the suspensions that are going on, and, you know, whenever this stuff happens, it, it's more more things to talk about, and there doesn't seem to be any shortage of that this year. But, yeah, you break down what happened. You compare it to, to other incidents, other players, compare it on what franchise this is, what the history is, what you think their reputation is. And, you know, it's it's not an easy job for George Peros. I don't, I don't claim that for a second. I think if I was doing that job, I do not think I would be perfect at it, and there'd be a lot of pissed-off people if I was calling the shots. But I think one thing that you really got to try to nail down in that situation is being consistent. And uh, so far, that's proven to be difficult. 
What do you think Riley's saying in the appeal process? Like, what does what the appeal process actually look like for a player going in person? Obviously, uh, it's tomorrow, right? Tuesday, uh, Riley's going. What does the appeal process look like? Yeah, I haven't been through it personally, but I imagine you're going to sit down, and I don't know how formal it's going to be or how much time they have to actually converse, you know, as people. But I imagine Riley will be able to um, say his piece as far as, look, this was... A clearly unsportsmanlike thing. I know it's not in the rule book, but George Peros, as much as anyone, understands that type of thing and that that's, that's going to elicit a response. He's going, I was going up to him to give him a shot and stand up for my team and for my own pride and, and where I am. And he's going to have to show that, yeah, look, I, I went at his shoulder. It bounced up and hit. You can see I left, I let go with my one hand first and then dropped my stick entirely when I realized, you know, oh, geez, I got him up in that dangerous area. And he can plead his case that way. But at the end of the day, he's going to have to take responsibility and say, I know I screwed up. I know I'm going to get suspended for this. And, you know, there's a bunch of other things I could have done that wouldn't warrant a suspension that would have sent the same message. And he's going to have to own that. And at the end of the day, if if that together, you know, changes the NHL's uh, decision on what their, their number of games is going to be, I can't imagine it is. I imagine they have it in their mind already. But you know, anytime you get that in-person hearing, it's kind of nice. You get to go plead your case, but on the other hand, it, it never turns out well for the player when they have to go in and, and do a face-to-face. On Saturday, Nikita Zadorov stepped up on uh, the blue line, hit Lucas Raymond, got the five-minute major, tossed from the game, ultimately suspended for two games. What did you think of the hit and the suspension? Was it fair? Yeah, like the hit, it's, uh, you know, he, he's, Cutting across on his edge backwards, kind of one of those, one of those hits that defensemen type to make, and and usually it's up against the glass. This one happens to be open ice, and it's just you know he's on his trail leg with his heel leading. So to have any agility at that point in time at that speed, it's difficult to to line the guy up perfectly. But he clips his head, and and that's the biggest problem, right? And of course, Raymond has the theatrics after of sliding on his knees and arcing his back and then sliding and then flopping face first. And, oh, look at everyone make sure the spotlight's on me for this. And that's that's fine. It's his M.O. But, um, you know, when you're hitting guys today's day and age, you know where the NHL stands on it. They want to play hockey without hitting players' heads. So if you're going to go hit a guy you got to get their full body. You got to get the trunk and the main mass of his body. And you can't just clip his chin or his head. I mean, that is how you get concussions. That is what they're trying to pull back on. So I understand the league needing to do something about it. Um, the game amount, I, I expect it. It is what it is. And, you know, every time there's a suspension like that, you know, there's a few here in the last week. And it seems like there's two common themes. One is the guy that gets hit always seems to look like he doesn't even realize they're playing body contact hockey, like complete head up his backside, going through the middle, completely in a vulnerable position that he's put himself in. No onus to protect himself at all. And then the person that's hitting them is not able to get the full body and they clip a head and clip a face or clip their chin and that's just that's just an immediate an immediate reaction from the league is going to be to suspend that player, whether that that original player put himself in a vulnerable spot or not. They don't seem to care at all. They want to knock down the headshots and and make that a suspendable offense. And right now in the NHL, it's a full contact sport that you're not allowed to touch the guy's head on. So 
until that changes and it's not going to change, you know, we're going to have these, these arguments and these incidents where guys are getting suspended for what some people consider a clean hit or what used to be a clean hit or a guy didn't protect himself, or it's the guy that got hits fault for leading with his head and all these different things. But as long as you're playing hit hockey where you can't hit the guy's head, you're going to run into these problems all the time. How hard do you think that is then for like a guy like Zadorov who, you know, he plays kind of on that edge. It's a fine line, obviously, of playing very physical, you know, being a larger than life human being with Zadorov. Like, how hard is it now in kind of the modern era NHL where everything you just outlined is present in the game? It's extremely hard. I mean, it, the, the game is so fast, it, it would blow your mind. And to to take a video and then take the third or fourth angle of it and break it down in super slow-mo and kind of peel the, the layers back in there. See right there, it, the first point of contact was his head. Like, do you have any idea how impossible that is to you know, navigate during the course of an NHL shift where two bodies are, are colliding. You're going to make a, you know, a body check. And I really like Sidorov. I was excited for you guys when you got him. Uh, I think he's got a lot of upside and I love players that play with that jam and that, that want to go take the body. But, you know, it's just unfortunate to me that the more the NHL comes down on these guys' hits and, and the way they're suspending them for these, these body checks, it seems like the more, that other players are putting themselves in vulnerable positions, assuming that they're not allowed to get hit anymore. And it's just compounding on itself with guys turning their back to the guy that's hitting them, leaning with their head, you know, looking behind them, going through the middle, crazy things like that, where you're just asking for injuries. So it, it would just be nice if guys, you know, protect themselves a little bit more and, and, you know, got their shoulder up and understood when they were in dangerous areas and, and got up on their edge and, protected themselves from these body checks and i think a lot of it would go away but uh and until then the onus is going to be on the guy hitting them and you know it's tough because guys want to lay body checks and be physical and it's a big part of the game but more and more players i see are scared to do it because you know they don't know if the guy's going to turn at the last second or lead with his head and you're going to catch a piece of his chin and then you know you lose hundreds of thousands of dollars and hurt your team and you're suspended and now you got a reputation and it's on your your uh you know, your permanent record, so to speak. It's it's difficult position to be in for those physical players. Jay, good stuff. Thanks so much for taking the time today, and we'll do it again soon. You bet, guys. Appreciate it. And that was Jay Rosal. You can check him out, uh, like I said earlier, on the Department of Discipline podcast, and, of course, Leafs Morning Take with our pal uh, Nick Alberga uh, over on Leafs Nation. I know all the Canucks fans want to go watch a, a Leafs show, but they have good stuff. They've had Bruce on uh, numerous times, Bruce Boudreau, of course. They've had him on before, and th- they do a really good show, even if you're not a Leafs fan. Uh, they do a good show. Harmon, let's continue before we get to anyone else in our, our uh, few more ads that we have to get through. Uh, let's continue talking about the Canucks weekend games. Anything else you want to say about Detroit? Because I think Jay put it pretty well with the Zadorov suspension. Um, again, I, I wasn't really expecting him to get suspended, but you know, you look at the hit. Eh. It's, it's a hard one to like dissect because it's kind of like Jay said, when you look at it for like, you know, a bunch of different angles, then you start to really peel into it. And I don't know it wasn't a good hit. It wasn't a good hit, but also, you know, the player returned. And I, I know a lot of people say, and I, I agree with them to some extent that like a player being injured shouldn't impact in a suspension. But in my opinion, Zdorov missed most of that game because he got thrown out early in the second period. You know, he gets the, the there's the five minute penalty and then, I just, I didn't know if it should have been more, definitely not more than a game, I didn't think. Uh, but I also thought it would have just been a fine. Based on, like, based on the NHL's history, and I tweeted this out and I had to defend this, right? Like, I had to, 
I had to defend this on Twitter because I, I realized how it went out when, when I tweeted out how people read it and they probably just took it the same way. I'm looking at it through the lens of what the NHL's track record, the NHL Department of Player Safety, what I think they would hand out. I thought it would be either a game or a fine. That's, that's all I thought. But what do I think it should be? Okay, I don't think that hit should be in the NHL. Like, it shouldn't. It, you, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be hitting guys in the head like that. And you should you should throw the book at those players. But the NHL hasn't. The NHL has no real standard that they go to. And again, go listen to the episode we have with John Scott. He talks about this guy who played in the league. Jay played in the league as well. There's no standard that the players know of and really that we know of either. So I, did, I was surprised that it was two games. I didn't have a problem with it personally. I thought, again, I don't think Zadorov had any malicious intent and... There's, of course, a massive size discrepancy between Zadorov and Raymond. Uh, he's shown that he's, I think, a pretty clean player. And he, he just, when you try and make explosive open ice hits, on occasion, you're going to mistime it. And, and that's what happened here. I didn't have a problem with the suspension. I, I thought it was fair. I think you need to, and this is going to come come across as maybe a little crazy based on what I just said. I think you need to suspend players for more than what Zadorov got suspended. Like, I think if I, if I ran the NHL department of player safety, I, I don't know where you're going with this quad. I don't know either, but I'm talking <laughs> it through Ty David in the chat. said the NHL does need to reduce hits to the head because of the CTE risks. Okay. It's such a complicated conversation. And there's no silver bullet, but I am, I am for players not getting hit in the head. And it's a physical game. I get that it's a physical game, but you have to do something about any hit to the head. I go back to what we said with John Scott like three weeks ago when we had him on the show or however long ago that was. I keep bringing it up. But what he suggested, an NHL enforcer, this isn't some nerd behind a computer like me. It's John Scott, a guy who fought and played in the NHL, saying, if you really want to get rid of these hits, you need to start suspending guys way overboard, like you did with clutching and grabbing, like you did with hooking when they brought all those rules in in the mid-2000s. If that's what you want to do, you have to throw the book at these guys and it needs to be very aggressive until this is out of everybody's game, until this is out of the game of hockey. That's what you need to start doing if you really want to make some sort of difference in the league and you want to make it so that these hits aren't happening. If I was in charge of player safety, first of all, I'd give Riley like seven games. Um, Zadorov, I would have given like three or four games because any hit to the head should be an automatic three, I think. But then you also, now I come into the conversation and I, hey, I was ripping Nola Chari for skating like a Timbit hockey player through the neutral zone last week and getting hit by Brendan Dillon. I was criticizing that. So it's hard to, like, there's no silver bullet, right? But, like, can you start suspending guys for skating with their heads down? I think so. <laughs> if, Dude, if I'm I in charge of player safety, you've taken, like, every stance in, in different points here. I'm trying to wrap my head hard. around the point you're you're making, but... To, what you to were summarize, saying, I have no point, but I have a lot of thoughts. Sounds sounds like a typical quad yeah. <laughs> uh, take. Yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, it's look, it's easy to say. First of all, I think we all agree. Nobody wants to see headshots. But if you also go in and say, we're going to throw the book and go excessive to get it out of the game. Yeah, you're going to get it out of the game. But are you going to completely lose the physical element? Because it's not as if when you're playing like Zadora, for instance, the way that hit happens and given how fast the game is, most of these guys are not head hunting. Yeah. No, nobody's doing that. That's the thing. Nobody's doing that in this day and age. So it's like, if you're, if, if they create, 
such an excessive punishment for these headshots. Guys are just going to go, okay, I can't throw any hits. Yeah. And so I it's mean, like, it's a, it's really hard fine line to, to balance because let's say you go at Zadorov harder. Well, then Zadorov might just not be a physical player. And then you might not get all those clean hits. And you're also going to lose that player type, which is something I don't think is good for the game. Yeah. So. And we were just talking about it. Like that was the last question I asked to Jay, right? Was how hard is it for a guy like Zadorov who plays physical to kind of walk that fine line? Hell, if, if I was Department of Player Safety head, or two minutes ago the take I had, if those were the rules, then it's a hell of a lot harder for Nikita Zadorov to even make a living in the league, right? And look, Zadorov can skate. He can do all these other things. I'm not trying to say he's a one-dimensional player or anything, but like it's hard. It, it's a hard conversation to kind of navigate because there's a lot of different angles taken into consideration. Like I think everybody can agree, okay, we don't want players suffering from CTE. We don't want players getting smoked in the head. But then, you know, there's also the aspect of, okay, like, these guys do know what they're signing up for to some extent, right? Like they know it's a physical sport that they're playing and they're compensated well for it. There's so many different angles that you look at. And it's just, yeah, I guess I don't have a silver bullet answer. Yeah. I think to summarize, I, I had no problem with, I thought two games is a fair suspension for Zadorov. <laughs> Matt. Folger in the YouTube live chat. Quad makes all the points and no point. Very zen. <laughs> Very zen. I like that. That's all well, I'm Seriously, on, on one hand, you're like... Throw the book at him. Uh, throw the book at him. But then you led with, oh... Keep uh, your thought, head up, Nola I thought, gonna be, I thought it was going to be a fine or one game. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know where you're going with it, Quads. But I get what you're saying. Like, it is a complex conversation. That's why, look, it's easy to make the Department of Player Safety a punching bag easy to 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 make them a joke and yeah they don't really have a standard of consistency but also every hit is different Mm -hmm. every incident has like it's it's impossible to create perfect comparables from hit to hit from incident to incident like these aren't contract comparables where they're numbers (laughs) and easy to easy to compare there's so many different factors you have to consider and i'll say this i don't care who you put in charge of that department nobody let me put it this way it's the same way we have conversations about officiating nobody's gonna give you credit for a fair suspension you're only gonna get ripped yeah if somebody thinks you got it wrong and when you are enforcing a punishment you're always gonna piss one side off oh for sure for sure so i think it's an almost impossible job to for people to look at and go they're doing a good job and people uh, don't often say that about George Peros. Yes. Tough job. It's a tough job. Like, yeah, that is tough. Okay. Um, anything else on the Detroit game before we move to Washington? Nope. Okay. Let's get to Washington. Uh, this one, the Canucks won off, what's that guy's name? Connor McMichael? Yeah. Same sort of thing with the whole Bobby McMahon. Who the hell is Connor? No, I'm just kidding. I know, I know, <laughs> okay. I know who Connor McMichael is. I, I, do to know, lose my yeah, mind. I do know who Connor McMichael is. Uh, and JT Miller found out who Connor McMichael was when he sent him a tape-to-tape pass in the dying seconds of overtime. Man, you feel for a young player like McMichael. And uh, I saw reports out of Washington that the cap, a lot of the Capitals players were kind of going up to him and, you know, giving him pats after the game and just saying like, hey, man, like, you know, shake it off. You're going to make mistakes in your NHL career. Really tough one for a young player who, you know, he's trusted to play uh, in overtime. And yeah, at 23 years old, that is a very, very tough mistake to make. 
Uh, like I said, passing the puck taped tape to JT Miller in front of the Capitals net, and he made no mistake. Although I should say the Capitals choosing not to put Clay Stevenson in net. Did they have it coming? Maybe. <laughs> well, okay, so a few thoughts. First, going into it, the first period was so interesting to me because the Canucks only had two shots in 11 in, through the first 11 minutes. Felt like Washington was doing a really good job of moving the pocket of the defensive zone with a level of quickness and breaking Vancouver's forecheck that I haven't seen from teams for most of the season. Vancouver's forecheck most nights feels like a cheat code in terms of how it can force turnovers, how they create these extended cycle shifts. And for the first yeah, 10, 11 minutes, they were breaking it with ease. And I'm thinking, oh boy, if the Caps can do this consistently and they're not even that good of a team, then this could be a tough night, especially since, you know, the Capitals, sorry, my memory is so fuzzy. They opened the scoring, right? The Capitals? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Not sure. The Canucks check. weren't on the power play though. I, I so like it I've bucked w- the trend because that was the, the Canucks passed three games prior to the one against Capitals. They gave up a shorthanded goal to open yeah. the game. There were so many games over the weekend, especially with the Super Bowl. I'm like, I'm 95% sure, but I also don't want to yeah, sound yeah. like an idiot in case I was wrong there. Yeah, who cares? But yeah, so I was watching that, and then the Canucks have this deficit, and I'm thinking, oh, is this going to be a tough night for them to generate offense? And then it's the third line getting them back into the game again. Your boy Noah, Noah Juleson with the beautiful stretch pass to um, to sort of change the momentum there. And after that, it just felt like a back-and-forth game where both sides would have these stretches where they'd control possession in the offensive end, where they'd apply a lot of pressure because the Canucks in the second period came out pretty strong, I thought. But then the end of the second, man, Thatcher Demko was pretty unbelievable. Mm -hmm. The Caps had power play late there where Demko made two, three great saves. He robbed um, Protaz towards the end there, robbed Nick Jensen in the dying seconds as well, was unbelievable in OT. Thatcher Demko deserves a lot of credit. I think a lot of times we're so used to seeing what good goaltending looks like that we almost take that for granted. He deserves uh, a lot of credit. I also thought that second period was the first time we started to see the Miller Lindholm Besser line start generating looks because up until that point, you were really thinking, "Uh, there's not nearly enough here for three guys that are talented offensively. They just weren't creating much of anything. Yeah, I mean, look, that's a trend that we've kind of seen for a bit now. And look, with that line being recently constructed, you're looking to get a little bit more. I have a lot on Noah Juleson, but I think I'm going to save it for anyone else. So let's keep breaking down this game. I thought the first star of the game was Thatcher Demko, who makes 31 saves on, what was it, 33 shots he faced? Yeah, yeah, 33 shots, 31 saves for Thatcher Demko, a 9.39 save percentage in that game. On the season, he's up to a 9.19. We're starting to see it dip a little bit, and we're seeing the kind of ebbs and flows, but I thought he's been phenomenal, and I thought the defensive environment in front of him has started to slip a little bit, especially compared to what it was in October. So Thatcher Demko staying right there in the Vesna conversation, and that was a marquee performance for him on Sunday with the Canucks. I thought it was a really, really solid game from him. I thought he really took over the game in the second period and then never really looked back in the third period. I thought he was phenomenal again. Um, and yet even in overtime, like if you recall, Washington had a few chances to ice the game in overtime and Demko stood tall and it was, it was really good. We didn't even talk about the, the cross check in Saturday Wallman, uh, that vicious cross check from Quinn Hughes that led to the, the penalty shot. And then Wallman scores and then hits the gritty on the Canucks. Yeah. I mean, he's done that quite a few times. Look, someone's got a Ridley Greg that guy, I'll tell you that. Much. <laughs> no, man. I, I love that 
celebration to be honest i've i've loved it ever since i saw him do it the first time uh it's funny i was watching the game with uh with with one of my uh couple of my friends and um they're canucks fans they're like i hate the gritty i'm like you're just saying that because he scored on you it's it's pretty cool if, if you're a red wings fan you'd be like man that's dope yeah he's had three or four ot winners this year already it's pretty nuts that is pretty remarkable so so we i saw the i saw the takes on twitter I, I know this show goes live on Facebook. I know our Facebook crowd is going to be saying what the first of all, what the hell's the gritty? I'll I'll help you because I had to Google this too. It's when they uh, the dance move, <laughs> swing the arms in front. All the kids are doing it these days. <laughs> but uh, was it uh, what's the guy's name? Zach Wilson, the Jets quarterback. He does it a lot. The gritty. It's a dance move, and Jake Wallman did it, and people were. Asking, okay, next time these two teams face, which is Thursday at Rogers Arena, Retribution, Ridley oh, Gregor. Come on. Noah Juleson, baby. Noah Juleson will take care of the trash. You know what Noah Juleson will do? Noah, trash needs to be taken out. Boom, takes out the trash. Noah Juleson. I agree with your Juleson take, but I am not here for Jake Wallman slander. He's my boy. I don't think, I honestly, I don't, first of all, I don't think the Canucks are going to go after him. Second They're of all, not. I don't think they should, or like, I don't think this should be a conversation. Were people even talking about this? Yes, they were. They were. They were? Dude, Seriously? You got to spend more time on Facebook, buddy. <laughs> I don't think that's the solution. That's no, fair. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Ovechkin, five straight games with a goal. He's up to 13 on the season. Look, it was really looking like, oh, well. This the whole Washington Capitals organization is structured around getting him that record, and it really looked like with the start to his season that he wasn't going to get it. So to find out that he had scored his fifth goal in as many games, and he's up to thirteen on the year, I'm like, all right, he's got a chance. What's he sixty away now? You don't have to Google it. It's I, okay. It doesn't matter. He's he's well, something like sixty. It's funny because he still only has thirteen goals on the year, I believe. Yeah, I just said that. Oh my bad, I didn't catch that. <laughs> I said it like twice, but it's okay. Thirteen goals on the year. You know, it was I, fluky goal too. He's I know he's washed. He's so washed. So you don't think man. he's getting the record, eh? Uh, look, that entire organization is dedicated to making it happen as they should. And I mean, look, if there are enough empty nets and they just keep feeding him low percentage ch- shots on the one timer, it might happen. I haven't done the math or really thought about it to con- to conclude whether he can do it or not. But just as a player, he is so washed. He does not. He doesn't move. I don't know if you noticed, but. He he'll just like be parked in one spot. He doesn't back check. He doesn't move his feet. You're describing Andre Kuzmenko, except even less mobile. <laughs> okay, right? so Gretzky Gretzky's goal record record is eight ninety four, and Ovechkin's at eight thirty five. I don't think he gets. I don't it. think he gets. It. I don't think he gets it. He scored forty two goals last season. Harm in seventy three games. Did well, he just fall off a cliff? He's just slow. If you remember Ovechkin in his prime, think about how explosive he was as a skater. That's true. And how physical he was. But now he's just, he can't move. That's the problem is, and the and the power play too, his one-timer isn't really a threat from that left circle anymore because everybody knows he's just parking in that circle. It's an easy shot to, to get in the shooting lane of. Yeah. It's so low percentage. It used to work all the time. The Caps have one of the worst power plays in the league, and it hasn't been an elite power play in a really long time. You know what they should do? Well, I guess he wants to get it as a cap. Never mind. I was say Canucks should trade for him. Throw him on the, throw him on the power play. Uh, you give me that look. Why do you give me that look? I'm all vibes, baby. Get him some guys who can pass him the puck. Eventually, yeah, get his I'm, goals. I'm sure. I'm sure Rick Tockett will love 
Alex Ovechkin after having dealt with Andre Kuzmenko. <laughs> well, that's one of the things. Like, he doesn't have Nick Backstrom anymore. Yeah, there you go. Who's next off has fallen off. Clay you know? Stevenson's in the AHL. <laughs> so it's really only, what, John Carlson, Anthony Mantha? Like, he doesn't Dylan have Strong. a lot of talent around him to prop him up. And where did he make his hay most of his career? in that spot on the power play. So if you can't feed him the puck, how is he supposed to hammer it home? This is so rock star. In, yeah. 78 games thinking. in 2013-14, minus 35, <laughs> plus minus. And he scored 51 goals. That rocks. <laughs> that's the funniest stat I've ever heard. Yeah. That's so cool. I Wow, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, maybe not a Rick Target type player. Uh, moving on. Did you have anything else on the Washington game? Uh, Hoaglander again. What a Oh, move. we didn't even talk about that. Hoaglander was so good. I'll talk about Juleson and anyone else. Don't worry, folks. We're going to get to the no drills and stuff. Uh, but Nils Hoaglander, yes. Nils Hoaglander playing in the top six for two games, scoring in two games. He looks phenomenal next to Elias Patterson right now. The key, too, is do you remember under Bruce, not last season, but the year before when you took over midseason, occasionally, I believe you'd see Bruce give um, Pedersen, Hoaglander yeah. uh, a look, they'd create chances. And briefly, there was a really small stretch where it was uh, Pedersen, Podkolzin, and Hoaglander. And, and you remember for like a game or two, they were buzzing, creating so many chances. Yeah, I do but, remember this. But neither of them could finish, yeah. right? And that was Hoaglander's big problem was during the height of his offensive struggles under Boudreaux, he couldn't bury and capitalize on his opportunities. It felt like he'd get one or two grade A chances a game. The confidence just wasn't there. I remember having a conversation with him in, I think it was around February of uh, 2022 um, in New York, a uh, one-on-one interview where he said, yeah, my, my confidence isn't really there right now. Boy, it's there now. When you look at his finishing, it's it's night and day compared to a couple of years ago. And, and that's what you need if you're going to be in a top six role, right? Because we know Hoaglander's speed, his tenacity in the forecheck, how he forces turnovers is an asset. But the difference between being able to excel doing that in a bottom six role versus in a top six role is can you finish? Yep. And and, and I think like, not that this is a comparable for Hoaglander by any stretch of the imagination, but think about a guy like Zach Hyman, who for a long time with the Leafs was this, was basically Ilya Mikheyev at, when Mikheyev was actually disruptive and really fast, where it's like Hyman was tenacious, ferocious, but the guy couldn't finish if you gave him a t- gave him a tap in on the back door. Whereas now the reason he's this offensive weapon next to for a long time Matthews and now McDavid is he learned how to finish around the net. I wonder what Hoaglander's ceiling is. I'm starting to ask myself that because this season, like he's he's on pace for 25 goals now on the season. If he pots 25 goals. Like, you're penciling him in as a top six forward for next season, right? Yes, but the one thing you have to keep in mind is scoring 25 25 goals without any power play time is basically unheard of. And that's where you have to remember that he is shooting 23%. Hmm. Which, if you remember, Andre Kuzmenko was shooting 27%. We know what if that drops off, it can have a, a pretty big impact. And again, that's not a knock on Hoaglander. I mean, you also have to remember he's averaging 11 minutes a night this year. Yep. He barely plays. So for him to have already scored 16 goals, players can't do that with that limited opportunity year in, year out. His minutes are going to have to go up for him to be 
a consistent 20 to 25 you, goals you've got to get him on the power play like you've got to get him some yeah. consistent power play minutes you have to and hey pp2 has been getting a lot of time lately yeah i think hoaglander's i see him being a middle six play driving winger Connor Garland light we've thrown it out yeah. many times okay let's get to a few words from our sponsors and then we'll get to anyone else man i've been cooking if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with juvederm volbella xc or juvederm ultra xc do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I've been cooking something and I'm ready to deliver it. But first, I'm going to tell you about two of our sponsors. First is HSBC World Rugby Sevens. Western Canada's largest sporting event this year is the ninth time the event will visit Vancouver as part of the World Rugby Sevens series. From February 23rd to 25th, BC Place is going to be the place to be so grab your friends and grab your best costume and head on down tickets are on sale now at van7s.com starting from just 40 dollars per day and if you want to go we've got a four pack of tickets for the entire weekend to give away text hashtag sevens that's s-e-v-e-n-s to 778-402-9680 for your chance to win we will be giving away a four pack each week until the event text hashtag sevens to 778-402-9680 and our next sponsor here. Were you about to jump in? You don't have to yet. To. Not yet. Not yet. One more. Wendy's. And the Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool game, which I am looking to win again, folks. I'll tell you what. I got my Baconator the other day. Delicious. Off my winnings. of uh, I won the game a couple weeks ago. I got my winnings, and I went on down to Wendy's. And you should do the same. But if you don't have time to go to Wendy's, you should go to dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com because Wendy's letting you win real food with your fantasy teams this year and the Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool game. For those of you who smoke the competition, Wendy's is rewarding you with weekly prizes that will have you winning. 
Download the Wendy's app and score yourself 150 bonus reward points on your first order and grab a sweet victory from the mouth-watering jaws of defeat along with some fresh, never-frozen beef. Sign up to play the Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool Fantasy Game to win weekly prizes like the spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's and the Wendy's app. Anyone else? I'm cooking. Go ahead. It's time for anyone else presented by DoorDash. It's our it's our listeners' chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. Offer valid in Canada. Subject to change terms apply. Cook quads. All right. I got my drink of water. I was thinking about this in the shower. And I told you I was going to deliver this to you. This take. I've always heard great philosophers, you know, philosophers, scientists, great thinkers throughout history say things like the world wasn't yet ready for the truth or they weren't yet ready for what I had to say. And I never really understood what that really meant until I tweeted about Noah Juleson on Saturday. And I tweeted out that he's been the Canucks third best defenseman this season. And I was met with vitriol. I was met with anger. I was met with people questioning my integrity. Someone asking if I was related to the Aquilinis. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of different different responses, but most of them being, this is a crazy take. You're wrong. 24 hours later, Noah Juleson makes a stretch pass to Connor Garland. My entire timeline is filled with Noah Juleson praise. And then people coming back because, yeah, I quote tweeted at harm. And I tweeted out again and reminded everybody what I said about Noah Juleson. I reminded everybody. And guess what, harm? I was not met 24 hours, 24 hours. Didn't take a week. Didn't take years like the other great philosophers and I. <laughs> didn't take very long. People were completely on board 24 hours later with the take that Noah Juleson's outplayed. This is the take. Yes, and I admitted it. I forgot Carson Soucy existed. So, hey, that's on me. <laughs> that's on me. I admitted it. I forgot Carson Soucy existed. Sorry, Carson. I forgot he existed. Hasn't played much, okay? Hasn't played much. Still recovering from a broken knuckle. No fault of his own. Get well soon, Carson. But I threw out the take, and I, I dumbed it down for everybody, too. My take is that for the past 10, 15 games, and, and these games matter a lot, past 10, 15 games, Noah Juleson, in terms of improvement, has been better than, and not in terms of improvement, just as a whole, t- past 10 to 15 games. And I don't think people are talking about it enough. Noah Juleson has been better than Ian Cole. He's been better than Nikita Zadorov. And he's been better than Tyler Myers over the past 10 to 15 games. Yeah, I, I think that's fair where you probably got that criticism is because you said he's been the third best defenseman this season, which implies he's been, let's forget about the Susie thing, obviously. Sure, sure, sure. Yep, yep, about that. Yep. But where you'd where you'd lose me, for example, is if you're saying he's been better than Cole Myers Sidorov for the entire season. Well, okay, so so let's say we start our season when Noah Juleson started to turn his game around. Let's just say that. But that's cherry picking. That is cherry picking because Noah Juleson was dog water to start the season, but he improved his game. Okay, let me ask ask it this way. Let, let's right now. Okay. Right now, forget about this ten to fifteen game stretch where he's been. Yeah. Really, really good. If you were to play a playoff series a month from now, do you think he's their fourth best defenseman behind Hughes, Heronic, and Susie? A playoff series right now? Yes. A month from now. Yes. I'm saying. A month from now. Yeah, I do. Okay, that's that's where I would disagree. I still think he's there. I, I, I think that this is a player who has really, really simplified his game. He's starting to do... And again, 
this is recency bias. I thought I think Tyler Myers is getting to that territory where we saw him at the start of the year where you were like, oh my goodness, this guy is unplayable. You can't play him right now. I think Tyler Myers has really slipped up lately. So sure, it might be recency bias, but I think Juleson has really cleaned up his game. He's starting to make those... Like he, his decision-making with the puck harm has improved so much. His rush defending has improved a lot. There was a sequence on the weekend where... Um, Tyler Myers got pushed wide and you know Tyler Myers is playing like he's 5-3 and gets pushed off the puck and gives up the inside lane and then Juleson in the same game starts leaning down on the guy and defended it so perfectly and so much better than Myers did and I think that was where it started to kind of click for me was that okay this guy's actually like all of the criticisms I had of Noah Juleson at the start of the year all of them are gone fully agree and this is this is what frustrates me sometimes because I also on Saturday in the Detroit game before the beautiful stretch pass against Washington tweeted out about before the simpletons jumped on board with me. Go on. How, how remarkable it's been to see Juleson's transformation. And I was prepared to come in today and sing Juleson's praises. I did enough because of course the at the start of the season, I was wrong about, um, about his NHL potential. Likewise. But then you come in with some scorching hot take, and I have to take the opposite stance. Like, can I, can't I just get away with saying nice things about Juleson? But now I have to disagree with you because while you're bang on about the improvement he's made, the thing you have to keep in mind is he's, he's averaging 14 minutes a night. Yeah, he is playing shelter. He plays, he's play, he plays against bottom competition, whereas you look at somebody like Tyler Myers, and yeah, we saw him get walked pretty egregiously in that Detroit game but a lot of errors with the puck too in the past like 10 games yes but he's also consistently playing 19 20 plus minutes playing top six competition how many times do you see around the NHL a bottom pair defenseman when they have to elevate up the lineup you start to see the warts in their game mistakes for sure so you have to keep that in mind I mean Travis Dermott is a great example of this in in Toronto because he would crush it in a bottom pair role. Amazing analytics, looked awesome by the eye. People are like, watch this guy move the puck. Uh, he is good enough defensively. He's dynamic, um, excellent uh, transporting transporting it up the ice, uh, defends a rush aggressively. He should be playing higher up the lineup than Ron Hainsey, who was struggling in a top pair role with Morgan Riley. The problem is as soon as you would elevate Dermot higher than that, he'd start to make a bunch of mistakes with the puck. He would get exposed defensively. That's where you have to make the context, and that's where I would make the case that even though Tyler Myers has made loud mistakes this year, that he's a better player than Noah Juleson. What happened to Jake Gardner? He, I think, ran into a bunch of injuries when he signed with Carolina. Damn, because I just, I looked it up because I, you know, you brought up Dermot and the same thing always happened with Jake Gardner in Toronto, right? Where it was, he's fine in the third pair role. And then no, he played, he played top four minutes. Yeah. But, but then Leafs fans ran him out of town. Cause he sucked in top four minutes. Is my he point. didn't suck. He was, um, he'd make the loud mistakes like Myers, yeah. but in he was actually games. really good in a lot of other areas. So he was a very polarizing player. I think he was a good top for a defenseman during his time in Toronto. What the hell happened to him? He hasn't been, he hasn't played a season since 2021. Got hurt. With what? Is he like is he done? I can't remember if the Canes bought him out eventually in that he was 
cleared to play, but then his contract was so bad. But yeah, he's only 33. Like, that sucks. He fell so he's off unsigned. A cliff. He's unsigned. He fell yeah. off a cliff after signing that contract. Damn, that's sad. That's really sad. All right. Well, yeah, you're, you're, look, you bring up competition with Noah Juleson. I'm just saying, I like to see him get that shot. And I'm going to go a step further and say that when this blue line is fully healthy, you're doing your load management thing with Ian Cole. We've already seen Noah Juleson play in the lineup ahead of Ian Cole, right? Yep. I think you put Tyler Myers in that same conversation. I think you put Zadorov in that same conversation. Yeah. Where Juleson Juleson deserves a spot in the lineup over those guys right now. Yeah, that's fair. I'm here for that take. I just would not make the case that he's the third or fourth best defenseman on this team overall. And I'll also say I don't think he, put it this way, I don't think he should be in a cup contender's top four. Hmm. Which is that's basically fair. what you would be arguing if if you're saying he's the fourth best defenseman, you're saying he sh- he he should be. I on don't a think Tyler Myers or Ian Cole or Nikita Zadorov are a contender's top four. True, but I also think Juleson is less established playing higher up the lineup than all of those guys. Sure, other than Zadorov because he's typically been a third pair guy as well. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm just telling you right now, the way I look at it is that Juleson is your fourth best defenseman. Great for Noel Juleson, not great for the Canucks. I think this brings us to the conversation of they need to go out and get a top four defenseman. Yes, but at what but cost? I also I also don't know if they have to do that because I think Susie was playing well enough that you're comfortable. Yeah. Because your depth is pushing you. Because Noel Juleson being, you know, lights out best player in the league, him playing the way he is, is going to elevate the competition in the defense group, because we just brought up the idea of load management and what does your best lineup look like when everybody's healthy? Carson Susie's in there. Carson Susie's not in this conversation. Carson Susie is the clear number three when healthy. But Ian Cole, Tyler Myers, Nikita Zadorov, you have some options. And Noah Juleson, of course. You have some options because of how well Juleson's playing. It's not a lock that all of those guys are going to play. And theoretically, you would think that with a fully healthy blue line, all of those guys would be elevating their game so as to stay in the lineup, especially come playoff time. Yeah, I'll say this. I mean, sure, in a perfect world, would you like to add a, somebody like a Chris Tanev to solidify your second pair so that Myers isn't playing um, as many minutes uh, and, and tougher matchups? Yes, 100%, but at what cost, right? That's the problem. Are you going to go out and pay a second-round pick and another prospect to bring in a defensive, especially because there aren't a lot of, I think, a, attractive uh, options out there, to be totally honest. Uh, not to mention, if they are making an upgrade on the blue line, I wouldn't mind making just a cheap depth one so that right now, for instance, Mark Friedman was was in the lineup. He's their eighth defenseman. Friedman took, uh, took the penalty, I think it was. Yeah. And I don't think looked sharp overall. Plus the fact that he sat out for that long tells you that the coaching staff probably isn't the biggest fan or the most confident in his game. Would you like to add another seven, eight D man just to be the extra guy that I think makes sense? Because if you go down multiple defensemen in um, through a playoff run, put it this way, if Mark Friedman's in the lineup, I think, Rick Tockett doesn't have confidence and it's a case of, Oh boy, we're going to have to very carefully play him like 12 minutes a night and extremely sheltered. And every time this guy's trapped for an icing, we're half panicking. It's not an ideal spot to be in. So adding another depth piece I'd be on board for, but that doesn't mean that player would be in the top six when everybody's healthy. 
I hijacked anyone else, so I want to get at least one listener one in. But Jet Wu's been called up. Jet Wu is with the team in Chicago now. Uh, Canucks play the Blackhawks tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if he got his NHL debut. Like, it's the first time he's ever been called up in his career. You would think he would be getting a chance to play. Don't know if another defenseman's coming out or if they're just saying, okay, we didn't, we really didn't like Mark Friedman's game. Chicago's barely an NHL team. Let's get Jet Wu a chance uh, to get into some NHL games. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure because Singular. given Chicago, you could easily make the case that give Wu, give Wu a shot. Uh, see where he slots relative to an option like Mark Friedman. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, Canucks are in a race for, forget the division, for, President for the conference, conference. President's Trophy, I don't, like, I do not care at all. The owner does. I do. I don't care about the President's Trophy at all. It's meaningless to me. Wow, that's horrible. There's two banners up there that say President's Trophy. So, it's so cool. Okay, go on. Uh, give me a cup banner. Sorry, go on. Conference, you're right. Um yeah, I mean, because the conference has, then you play the second wildcard team, which is, I think there are seven good teams in the Western Conference. I think the eighth team, I'm, I don't believe in them, whether that's gonna, going to be a Calgary, whether that's going to be a St. Louis. Yep. Whoever else is, whoever else is in the mix. But if you Nashville, win the President's Trophy, you've got home ice advantage for the cup final. I mean, yeah. And that matters a lot. That yes. basically means you're going to win it every time. Yeah, just like 2011, right? <laughs> <laughs> sorry go on you were talking about the teams that they would face if they won the conference. yeah so with that in mind every point every game matters a ton so you can't take any game lightly you can't look at the schedule and go oh, it's just chicago because that's what the toronto maple leafs do year in year out in the regular <laughs> season which hurts their standings position and then they complain about having to play a team like tampa or boston <laughs> every year in the first round it's like well finish higher in the standings yep. right don't get Ridley Gregged. What's because they would... Sorry, I didn't finish... Make the point. They'd lose to these bottom feeders. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed. Toronto always lays an egg against, like, the Buffaloes. The Canucks. The past, like, 10 years. I know. It's the so Benning hilarious. Canucks always took down the Leafs. It was awesome. It was the funniest thing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what um, what the coaching staff uh, does there in terms of yeah. Wu and Friedman. It'll certainly be interesting and a uh, situation that we will follow. I'm just trying to make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay, we got to get Betway, but I want to get at least one to anyone else in. This one from uh, Haran. Where'd it go? Okay, I can't find it, but he was asking about power play movement and that the power play seems like it hasn't been moving around a lot. Not a lot of player rotation, which is something we saw a lot of, it felt like, earlier in the season. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't consciously thought about it, but now that it's been brought up. Yeah, it, it isn't moving nearly as much as it was at the start of the season. Uh, maybe that's a case of uh, Iceland home is, is trying to get comfortable and you don't want want to, to make things too complicated. But also, given the number of shorthanded goals, maybe it, it is just a point of let's just simplify the man advantage a little bit. If you introduce a lot of movement, um, your it's a more complex set it requires more reads if you have any um any cross-ups or any confusion you don't want to be turning pucks over i wonder if that's part of it but that's that's a really good observation there hasn't been quite as much movement as we saw early in the season we missed it earlier in the show people were mad at you people were saying wallman is a good player who needs to get grieved i think the canucks will do something about it no he doesn't come on guys i love it (laughs) I also, by the way, I love Ridley Greg uh, loading up for that slapper. His name's Greg? Why? That, okay. Honestly, 
I'm not advocating for players to get hurt. But if anyone really deserves it, why are you spelling your name like that? <laughs> Just throwing that out there. See, yeah, I, I have so much that. time for him as a really? player. Yeah, I watched him early in the season. I did a national piece on under-the-radar rookies, and this guy is such a pain in the rear. He drove Kucherov nuts. Yeah, he's he's like an upcoming pest in he, the league. But he's also got skill. Yeah. He's, he's got good hands. 28th overall pick in the 2020 draft. He can play center. He can play wing. Oh, I'm telling you, he is such a fan favorite type of player. He... So Debrinket obviously left Ottawa. Didn't want to resign there. In their first game back, he rocked Debrinket. He's that type of guy. He got under Tom Wilson's skin. It that, was like this three that's sick. Like, and all of this was in October. Within the first seven games, he went off before getting hurt. And I just—he's a wrecking ball in the forecheck. This guy—he's so much fun, and I love him rubbing it in the Leafs' face. Bases there. I also love the um, Ottawa fans with the pay your taxes chant. Oh, I called it. I called it. I called it. I called it. That was so much fun. That was great. The pay your taxes chant. But this is like, this is good for hockey. It I is. think. Absolutely. If, it like is. you, you have some emotion. Yeah. I, I had no problem with the clapper. I, I wouldn't have had a problem with Riley going after Greg. It, but then he cross-checked him in the head, which is going yeah. way too far. Yeah. Deserves a lot of uh, lengthy s- suspension. Yeah. But if Riley went over and like gave him a shot or like tried to fight him, I wouldn't have had a problem with that either. Or even said, like, hey, next time we see you guys, and the NHL schedule is so stupid, they're probably not going to see each other until like, next season. Uh, next time we see you guys, we're going to remember that. Something like that. Yeah. Right? Like what JT Miller said to Wallman when he was <laughs> gritty. In. Well, the NHL is better when there's hate. Oh, Totally. Totally. When there's animosity, when there's heroes, when there when there are villains, yeah. I mean, even lately the Canucks teams have been chippy, and it's been fun. It's been entertaining. Someone, uh, someone, and we, sh- we should know quickly too. Like the people upset about, oh, he's doing the gritty dance. The people upset about the slap shot. If your team, the roles are reversed, you're gonna have no problem with it. Some might, but that's just tribalism of sports fans. Like if you switch the teams around, you're not gonna hear the outrage will be different. Right. There'll be everyone wants to support when their players do something. Oh, it's fun. It's good for the game. But the second, you know, the other team does it, especially in like Battle of Ontario, Battle of Alberta, sports are tribal at the end of the day. People gravitate to what they want to cheer for. So I'm disappointed. Try to leave your biases at the door. I'm disappointed at how many people are just fine with Wallman grittying on them. Really? You have a problem with that? No, I don't. I just think it's way funnier to have a problem with it. Like, I don't care. But Here's the thing if you're upset by that, don't let him have the chance to take the penalty shot. Totally. So right. Boom. Don't have Ridley Gregg have a chance to wind up with an open net and an empty net. Change the outcome beforehand. I mean, yeah, but you can't always do that, right? Well, it's it's like you know in baseball quads, and here we go. Guys arguing, pitchers arguing that a guy threw the bat flip, and he's all pissed off. Make a better pitch. Don't oh, yeah, allow totally. a guy to take you deep, right? Sure, but it's also hilarious when the guy gets plunked the next at bat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? that's the whole code. And yeah, uh, this one, I like this from Pin Pants Strong. I agree with this, this one. <laughs> I don't think people get it. I have no problem with the player stunting. They just need to be ready for the response. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. But also, come on, it's a goal celebration. Yeah, no, no, Wallman, a, Wallman, Wallman is different. Thing, Wallman yeah, is yes, different. Yeah, Wallman yeah. is different. I'm, I'm saying with Greg. Oh, like, yeah. Look. Also, I love it from Greg because I'm also looking at it from the perspective of, okay, they're in Ottawa, home ice. He is looking up at an empty Maple Leafs goal, probably seeing a bunch of Maple Leaf sweaters yep. behind that goal. If he, 
also way funnier would have been if he reversed Stefan it and like clapped it and hit the crossbar or something and then they go the other way and score that would have been great excuse me you leafs fan quads oh, no, no 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 i am okay i am a fan i was explaining this to people at the super bowl yesterday i am a fan of the funniest outcome possible chaos yeah, always chaos always I like this chaos better than your yeah. scenario of him hitting the crossbar and the Leafs coming back. I, th- I think it would have been funny. Like, I, it would have been hilarious. I mean, this is hilarious, too. Do people still <laughs> laugh at Patrick Stefan for, like, the crappy Edmonton yeah, but ice? I like Ridley Gregg. You have to remember, he's one of my guys. That's fine. I like Patrick Stefan. That's my boy. <laughs> Let's be honest. The Battle of Ontario has needed some oh, yeah. flair. Yeah, because like, the Senators keel over and die by November every year after their fans all they actually talk about how great they're going to be. They beat the Leafs in the, the season series for the first time in like five or six years. That's great. They're still not going to make the playoffs. The Canucks Fair beat enough. the Leafs in the playoffs in the season series every year. Here's something for fans of that team to look forward to now that, you know, let's be honest, for years when the Darcy Tucker, Chris Neal era, like that's when hockey was at its peak entertainment value i'm not saying it's bad now but it's so much better when you have two teams that hate each other when you have two uh fan bases that hate each other and you get all these maple Leafs fans coming out to ottawa and wrigley greg can take this huge clapper and you know stick it to all those Leafs fans in attendance get his own team fired up like ottawa is out of it as you mentioned but there's still got to be something for their fans to get behind here's a piece of trivia uh, brought up Grady made me think of it. Chris Neal, okay, name Grady brought up, has his number retired oh. by the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, he played 1,026 games in the NHL. How many points, not goals or assists? Listeners at home, play along. How many points? Don't look it up. I'm not, I'm not. Don't look it up. How many points does Chris Neal have in his NHL career worthy of getting his jersey retired by the Ottawa Senators, who he played all 1,026 NHL games with? 258. That was insanely close. 250, even less wow. than your low uh, guess. Yeah. I was going 270. Yeah. Yeah, 250. But obviously that wasn't his game. He just shouldn't have had his jersey retired. You got to have some sort of standard for jersey retirements. All right, this is great. I love this. <laughs> Karan, I like Patrick Stefan. That's my boy. Wow. <laughs> 2024. All you're, right. Let's you're, get... you're all boys team. What would your all boys team be? Uh, Noah Juleson on the back end. Um... Archer Silov's holding it down in the crease. Erickson X. Derek Dorsett. I really love Derek Dorsett. Yeah, ha- Lindholm's been your guy team. for so long. Lindholm? Yeah. Oh, Lindholm for sure. Petrano. Petrano. Who else? Erickson Eck. Erickson Eck. Yeah. The all boys. Clay team. Stevenson. Clay Stevenson. Clay Stevenson. Oh, oh my God. Man, you got Silov's and Steve. Steve Clay Shohei Otani. <laughs> <laughs> nice AHL team you got there, quads. Cal Raleigh. Julio oh, Rodriguez. <laughs> All right. All right, let's get to our Betway Bet of the Day. Uh, brought to you by our friends over at Betway. That's right, folks. Baseball season is upon us, and I'm picking Julio Rodriguez. I'm just kidding. Our <laughs> Betway Bet of the Day is hockey-related. Pull it up, Grady. Calgary Flames to win. Flames have been playing some good hockey lately, and Kuzmenko said they're going to the playoffs. A $10 bet to beat the New York Rangers on the money line, a plus 135 bet, $10. Returns you $23.50 over at Betway. Must be 90 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Uh, by the way, I just have to say, all those people on Twitter, as soon as the Super Bowl ended, like within five minutes, being like, baseball season has arrived. I'm like, I didn't even see that. Relax. The Fox Quads on MLB burners. account had this viral tweet right away. 
really? as soon as it ended. Oh, I'm they like, do that every year. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, all like, coming dude, back to like, me. Just can we at least give it like an hour? Absolutely not. Shohei Otani season, baby. Like, I'm, I'm on. I'm, I'm on Twitter trying to see what people are saying about the Super Bowl because I'd watched it, mm-hmm. but I'm not a football fan, so I'm curious what people's takes are. And I just see a bunch of baseball season has officially started. And I'm like. Quads, you must be one of those people. It's coming. Yeah, I've, I texted into Fox. <laughs> Tweeted out, baby. All right. By the way, quickly, I'm calling it right now. Calgary, Flames, Vancouver, Canucks. First round of the playoffs. That's They're meeting. Spicy. That's See, that's good for the game. Kuzmenko, overtime winner to send the Canucks home. Yeah. Oh, could you imagine? And then Wallman, Gritties, in the Stanley Cup oh, final. Detroit. <laughs> All right, we'll close it out there for my co-host, Harmon Dial, and our technical producer, Grady Sass. My name is Dave Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to an episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads brought to you by the Toyota BZ4X. The BZ4X's fresh look is just an added bonus to its range since you can drive up to 406 kilometers on a single charge. That's enough to get you from Kitsilano to Whistler or Kamloops to Kelowna and back and still be home in time for the game. Now, that's what we'd call electric. The best part, by choosing electric, you can get up to $11,000 in rebates and incentives. The BZ4X are in stock and selling quickly. So make sure to visit shoptoyota.ca or your local Pacific Toyota dealer to get your hands on one.